Welcome to Homemaker Chic Podcast, where we are rescuing the art of homemaking from the daily grind. We're doing it in red lips on a fabulous Monday. Absolutely no frumpy denim jumpers are allowed. I am your host, Angela Reed, of Parisian farm girl. So happy to be here. And I am joined by my best girlfriend, 2,000 miles away, Shay Elliott of the Elliott Homestead. Good morning. Good morning. It is a uh, soggy, soggy, soggy Monday morning <laughs> here in the Midwest. Wow. Mm. That's not not my problem this morning. No. I, <laughs> no wetness. No, no, none. You haven't uh, had any since Mm-mm. like the snow melted, correct? Basically. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Yeah. It's just a swamp. In front of my barn is an abomination and... Um, <laughs> I went out this morning to roast coffee beans really early and it's just dank. I mean, we had another thunderstorm last night, which I don't mind. Mm-hmm. I love the thunderstorms. And we had more of those when we lived further south. So we do celebrate when the storms roll in because we like a good cozy thunderstorm. But my goodness, um, my seedlings are happy, but yeah. I'm in a state of arrested gardening. Mm-hmm. I can't garden. It's just mm-hmm. too nasty too wet too soggy <sighs> oh you have it's, another cat on the windowsill i know i our, we have like mascot? a cat no this is a different cat we have like all oh. these cats right now and <laughs> this is may this was my birthday present to myself last oh. year her name's well, may may this mm-hmm. is our first may episode so oh you're right and it's almost my birthday again maybe i'll get another cat i'm sure that's exactly what you need I'm going to be 35 this year, which is like proper mid thirties. Like I'm in my mid, mid thirties. You're like a up now. I know. Wow. I know. Um, I was talking to my friend Haley. Hi Haley. And she has little kids right now. And she just listened to our episode that we recorded a long time ago. I was going to say years, but that's not right. A long time ago, the, in the trenches one. So Haley right now is in the trenches. And I was talking to her after church yesterday and we were joking about that idea. Like you wouldn't go back to your twenties for anything because that's hard. Those are hard years. I love being in my thirties. I love like the growing and maturity, the understanding, the, we were just talking with another friend about this last night is how you get older. You really do all those things that your parents told you kind of start to come true. Like, Mm -hmm. You'll get to a point where looks aren't important and you're going to be people where they're going to be your friend based on your character, Mm -hmm. less on how you look and those sorts of things. And anyway, I love it. I love getting older. Minus the wrinkles. The wrinkles can just they can. Yeah, I don't care for those. Um, I I like being in my 40s. I just don't like how fast they're flying by. Yeah, it's alarming. And I yeah. just, my son just got out of bed and I'm like, what did you grow four inches overnight? You like six, four now? Is that what we're doing? Oh my gosh. Gonna, he's just towering over uh, Joel and I, and it's incredible. And I just feel like everything is just happening in a vacuum. Yeah. And that's actually uh, one of the reasons why I'm pleased to talk about this topic today, because mm-hmm. it's just place in my world where time slows down. Yeah. In my garden. Yes. So. Uh, friends, we are going to take a romantic look at our gardens today. And even if you are not a gardening enthusiast, Shay and I would like to invite invite you to just wind down and mm-hmm. on a Monday, which we can tend to be a little bit keyed up on a Monday, wind down with us and take a turn, take a turn with us as we share with you some of our more romantic ponderings about our gardens and some of our yeah. favorite books. I need to slow down. I got up at 4.45 this morning, had done really like a full day's worth of work, like including multiple trips outside to the garbage bins, detailing my closet and everything by about 6.55. Joel woke up. He's like, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to be able to keep up with you. I don't know what your problem is, <laughs> but... There will be no me trying to match you today. I'm like, I'm sorry. I rested yesterday. So I've got all this pent up that energy, energy. Mm-hmm. Yep. I totally understand that. And 
one of the things we've been talking about a lot this season anyway, which I'm again, excited to talk about today's topic is I actually just did a still life for the art shop. And it was all of these little teeny tiny things that I'd plucked out of the garden. Um, so, you know, in snowdrops, when the blossom is done and it creates that little green ball, mm-hmm. um, or you have the little tendrils of the comfrey before it blossoms. And there's just these minute details that if you're just plowing through there, you miss them. Yeah. Like they're totally gone. And we've been talking so much about the details of things, you know, really focusing on the details and having eyes to see those things. And so it was a really fun image to be able to create. But to me, the garden is the perfect place to train your eye to those things. Mm -hmm. Slow down, take a deep breath, sort your thoughts. Like this time of year when you're scrambling to get it all in the ground and keep up yeah. with seedlings and you're hustling. I mean, yep. it's not a lot of slow moments going on in the garden at this stage. Yeah. Oh, the game. <laughs> so I knock my mic over. Okay. Well, let's cue the wine music and pour a glass. Although it's really early Monday morning. So we'll talk about what we poured last night <laughs> and um, then we'll dive right into the garden. Shall we? Let's do that. So we would love to encourage you to pour a beverage, probably a coffee, if you're live with us in just about real time, or (laughs) if it's later on this evening and you're washing the dishes or getting ready for dinner, then by all means, pour a glass of wine. And we like to pour ourselves a glass of dry farm wines when we enjoy a bubbly or a rosé or a red. So we would like you to memorize this, dear listeners, dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic. It is that simple. Dry Farm Wines is a fabulous online company that will ship you organic, naturally yeasted, old world, family grown, no garbage wines from around the world. This wine is grown and bottled to help you tap into life and celebrate it. Maybe you should have a glass while you take a turn in your own garden. We drink Dry Farm Wines in our house because there are 76 ingredients that don't have to be legally listed on those bottles of wine over at the uh, Piggly Wiggly in town (laughs) there. And they are full of red dye and GMO yeast and all these things that we try to forego and avoid in our food diet. So why would we bring those in when we're trying to enjoy something fabulous like a glass of wine? So visit dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic. And Shay, what will you be sipping? Sipping. What will you be sipping? Soir. Sipping. I don't know if I will, what I will be sipping at tonight because... I didn't quite, we had a pretty full weekend and I didn't quite get my feet under me to get my menu planned like I needed to. So I think as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to need to take a few minutes to just be a a homemaker. We had some other requirements this weekend, um, which will include menu planning. I did pull my meat out. Oh, like I pulled out a ton of stuff. I have no idea what we're eating today. (laughs) Like work week yesterday. I tend to like the kill it bomb, kill it bomb, kill it. (laughs) Who would like some hummus? Who would like a quesadilla? (laughs) Yesterday, you got three proper meals. Today, here's some granola. This is my life. This is my whole life. Mm-hmm. Well, my parents came over after we got home from church and I spent a little time in the garden yesterday. My parents came over for an afternoon glass of wine, which is something we like to do on Sundays or Saturday afternoons. Like everyone puts their work in and then we get to just sit outside. Um, and so I opened this bottle from Dry Farms and we drank it. I mean, it was like gone. It was really delicious. So this is a French white wine. It's called Zwinel. Zwinel. And the vigneron's name is Burkle Jung. That sounds very French. <laughs> Burkle Jung. <laughs> My friend Marseille was over for dinner a couple of nights ago and she was like, she speaks German. And she was just like, you're German. <laughs> Is so good. (laughs) Not quite. (laughs) She's like, it's almost as good as your French. (laughs) Well, thank you. That's awesome. Merci. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so this is a white blend. 
It's 50% Sylvaner, Pinot Blanc, and then Muscat has a little bit of Muscat in it. So little white blend from dry farms. And it was absolutely delicious. We loved it and we drank it very quickly. We enjoyed it, but it was gone. It was a hot Sunday afternoon. Um, A little chalky, which I love. Mm -hmm. Um, Super refreshing after being out in the garden. So I don't have any more bottles of that. So I will not be drinking it until I get another bottle, but alas, I'm sure we'll find something delicious from our dry farm selection to drink tonight. So like Angela said, head to dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic. If you want to get in on a rosé special that you have just a few more weeks to get in on dryfarmwines.com forward slash homemaker chic rosé, you can get a special rosé box there. Another great gardening wine. (laughs) all the rosés while I'm gardening. I love it. And because dry farm wines have a little bit of a lower alcohol content, of course, that's nice too. You can continue to garden. You can continue to. You've had a glass. Exactly. I kind of feel like my cat is judging me. Look at her. She's like staring at us. Like, what are you guys doing? Patrons, you can see her in the window. You can say hi to May May. Okay, let's, let's go to the garden. Yeah. Well, speaking of patrons, I do want to encourage you, if you are not a patron of the show, uh, visit patreon.com forward slash homemaker chic podcast, because we have some really uh, fabulous things over there for you. You show us some love. We show you some love and our fangirl patrons get a video version of the show. So you can listen on the day we release the podcast, like on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you guys are listening. And then a day or two later, Prop up your phone, watch us while you wash the dishes or fold the laundry. And uh, coinciding with today's topic, we will have a printable for you of all of our favorite gardening quotes and any gardening books that we mention today on the show. We know you guys like to keep track of the books we mentioned, so we're going to assemble all of that for you. And that's over at patreon.com forward slash I can't do it. Homemaker Chic Podcast. So now let's uh, yes, let's relax a little. Let's okay. open the garden gate and take a romantic look. Um, oh, oh my neck! Don't start. <laughs> I know. I was just like, oh, that's not that's not good. Right. Um, a romantic look at our spring gardens. I loved that we got this request for the romantic because there is purely utilitarian balls to the wall, excuse the expression. Grit. There's, there's a grit way to look at the garden, especially sure. this time of year. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel dainty when you're out there slogging it. <laughs> I think that's probably, probably because we're growing a lot of produce. Do you think if you were just a rose gardener or just a perennial gardener, you would feel that, that slog? No. No, I think it's pure the, joy that it's the like farming slash gardening perennial gardener. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if something dies in the perennial garden, I'm like, oh, sad. I'll go to the nursery and get another one. It's not like, oh, crap. That was my 72 pepper plants for the year. And whoops, guess we're not going to be having any peppers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's this added element of stress that comes with a vegetable gardening. I mean, it's just it's joyful, but it's work. It's farming. It's proper farming. It is. It really is. Even if it's raised beds and you're making it look pretty, it's still growing a lot of veg. Yeah. Um, uh, I would like to start with a little poem. Please do make my way through it. Please do. Can't (laughs) this is ode or a portion of it by Wadsworth. While earth herself is adorning this sweet May morning and the children are calling on every side in a thousand valleys far and wide, fresh flowers while the sun shines warm and the I can't read and the babe jumps up on its mother's arm. Then sing ye birds, sing, sing a joyous song and let the young lambs bound as to the tabor's sound. We in thought will join your throng, ye that pipe and ye that play. Ye that through your hearts today feel the gladness of the May. I love that. I found that this morning in one of my favorite uh, gardening books that I would love to share with our audience if they don't have it already. And I'm sure many of them do. And it is the country diary of an Edwardian lady. And friends, if you need to get in this space where you are feeling like you're just slogging it out in the garden, or maybe you're brand new and you're just sort of feeling 
terrified and you want all the feels, get this book. Mm -hmm. This book will give them all to you. You have this, don't you? Mm -hmm. I was given that by a blog reader. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We both were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is a very, very special book. And I love this poem because being on our farm, we were just looking at the lambs yesterday. And when you put lambs to fresh grass, um, you know, and there's a little lamb and the green grass and they're like, they jump like grasshoppers. They do. It's so funny. It's so darling. I love our sheep. I would have them, even if I did had no utilitarian purpose for them whatsoever. I enjoy their presence so very much. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just this morning I got up very early and of course I've been getting up at the same time, but the sun keeps getting up earlier. (laughs) And so it feels like I'm doing it later, but I got up, I was getting ready. And this was like at five Oh two. I actually woke Stu up and I was like, can you hear the birds? Can you hear the birds? Like this is extraordinary because they just get up earlier and earlier as well. Mm-hmm. Normally they come out when the sun comes up and they start to wake up. And now we're getting to enjoy that bird song so much earlier. Bird song is one of those things that I don't think you really pay attention to in the same way when you're not a gardener. But for the gardener, the birds are like your, they're like your companions. Like every bird I see, I'm like, hello, so put the moon into you <laughs> like that. That's how I talk to them, especially the robins. And we've been leaving, leaving some shine. We've been trying to bring crows to our property. I love crows. What? We haven't had them for years. We saw one in the sky last year and I'm like, quick, somebody get something shiny. <laughs> like We must bring the crows and it's working. Now we have two pairs of crows. So we have four crows. They come around and they take things off the fence post that Georgia leaves for them. Okay. That's interesting. We have plenty. (laughs) Um, The crow, the call of the crow is very nostalgic for me um, because uh, my grandparents are very elderly right now. And, but Back in the day, I mean, I camped with them my whole life. We would go camping a few times a year. And then there was a pause like after high school. And then when I got married, Joel and I picked that up and we went camping with my grandparents every year. And where we would camp um, in Michigan, the, the forest had crows. And so that sound is what I would wake up to in my tent. Mm. And you have like the moisture, the dew, and just the early, it's very quiet, but I love the sound. Mm-hmm. Now, on our farm, we have a bit of a dilemma right now, and a few other small holdings in the area are experiencing the same thing. The crows are going into the chicken coops and taking eggs, <laughs> like like a hawk would. It's really a bummer because I really like them, and now when I yeah. see them, I'm like, please go away. No, they're don't thieves. Go. They're thieves for sure. Yeah. Um. That's kind of one of those things, though, to me, I I totally get where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things like that in the garden that I've had to let go of and just be like some for me, some for you. Like, I don't know what else to do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. So many. It's not like we're going to shoot them all day. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty. Yeah. Yes. I'm sure many Um, people don't. Bird song. I would say, well, I'm somebody who I like to sleep in the cold. Mm -hmm. So even in the winter, I have a window cracked and. Mm -hmm. But there is something so beautiful about just letting the birds wake you up. So this is a lovely time of year. If you're looking for a Mm -hmm. way to bring a little added romance into your world, open a window, put on a few extra blankets if you have to, and let the birds wake you up Mm -hmm. and even put you to sleep. We have a whippoorwill who sings Mm -hmm. all evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The frogs put me to sleep. They are my the frogs are so <laughs> loud. Yes. I love it. I know. At night, they're I always wonder, like, am I gonna be able to fall asleep? Like, this is a lot of song. Mm-hmm. And but it's beautiful. It's so beautiful to me. It's just that that connection, even of knowing like this is when the frogs arrive, you know, like you can tell when things start to shift and yeah. If I were in town and I could not have a garden garden, I would still, I think, find a way to have a teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny little pond 
even just like a little bit of water with a little bit of plant next to it, just to try to bring the frogs in because I think they're just so incredibly wonderful, even watching them swim and laying their eggs. And it's just such a wonderful piece of the garden. And I think that's one of the things that gardeners find is we sort of go into it thinking I'm going to change this space. I'm going to create something magical. I'm going to do this color scheme I like or plant this tree I really want. And kind of what you find over time, I feel like as the gardener is that, I mean, this sounds really cliche to say, but it does just sort of change you. Mm. And I've been changed immensely since I became a gardener. Um, one of the, probably the biggest ways that I, I think a lot of people could identify, like I was terrified of bugs, spiders, beetles, centipedes. Like you have to get over that now if you want to be a gardener. <laughs> and I remember somebody telling me that and I was like, no, 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 bugs are gross. I'll never get over this. And now when I dig up the soil and I see roly polies or holy polies, like Juliet calls them, <laughs> holy polies <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and centipedes and worms and spiders and even little, sometimes little mice. And I'm just like, hello creatures. Like this is how Beatrix Potter did what she did because mm -hmm. she had a gardener's eye to be like this. None of this is evil, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some bad bugs that you do not want in your garden, but on the whole, that's health and that's wellness. And when you bring plants, you bring bumblebees, you bring hummingbirds, you bring stellar jays, you bring, you bring spiders, you bring worms. Like you are creating habitat for all these creatures. And when you enter into a relationship with them of appreciating them and viewing them um, and not fearing them, it's a, it kind of opens up this whole new area of gardening enjoyment. I will agree with you on everything except the spiders. I can, yeah, I, the, the worms make me so happy. Oh, yeah. I have to tell you, I went out to um, a bed where I had my cabbage last year and it was pretty anemic. It's right up against the forest. And so I just top dressed it with what <clears throat> looked like about half of my barn at the end of the year last year. And the straw and the manure and everything has composted so beautifully. I stuck my fork in it yesterday and mm. just even an inch down, it's just completely broken down. And there are thousands of worms and I just couldn't stop smiling. I'm like, this is amazing. This went from horrible, terrible soil. I mean, my, even the cap, the cabbage just did really bad. I knew it needed more if I was going to yeah. cabbage there again. And so, so beautiful. However, being that we are right up against the forest, the spiders are. Huge. Oh, sure. Blech. I mean, I'm talking like yeah. where the body is like the size of a quarter. Yeah. Like tarantulas. No, thank you. Yeah. No, they still scare the daylights out of me. Oh. I don't mean, <laughs> but you know, the, the ones on that grow on the tomato plants, like the big orb spiders where they, when, when end of summer, when the tomatoes are mature, there are these big webs on tomatoes and mm. these spiders are huge, like a small bird, <laughs> no, but they're really colorful and beautiful. And you're just like, hello, you're here. Don't stick your hand through that. <laughs> the ones I really like are the ones that come like on the white roses and the white dahlia, the white spiders. Oh, like, ugh, no, I think they're so cool. Or they're like mm. very, very pale, like neon green. Those are cool. Mm. They're small and manageable. Yeah. You can, you can just appreciate, just appreciate your creating habitat. You know, um, we were out there yesterday and a bumblebee, bumblebees love comfrey and they bumblebees to me are just like a fat little person who's just bumbling around. And I mean, they're so waddy. They're not like graceful. They're just chunky and sweet. And so they're just flopping. Will you tell me what you said? Oh, I was What's talking about bumblebees. Oh my goodness. The big dorky ones that are. Yeah. They're just dorky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> boing, boing, boing. I know. It's just like, they're, they're so, so awesome. fun they're to awesome. watch. Yeah. So we had some on the comfrey yesterday because bumblebees love comfrey mm. and watching them flop around on these little purple flowers is just about 
all I can take. But Georgia said, I don't remember bumblebees being here when we first moved in here. I was like, they weren't here. There was no food for them. Like everything that you see, all these different plants, these were all, this is bumblebee habitat now. And same with the hummingbirds. And, um, you know, it's just this and the frogs, there was no frogs here. We built a pond, they, they came. So, um, that amazing. It really is before you built a pond. I mean, I think it's incredible. Yeah, it it really is. Yeah. I remember when we first put the garden in, you know, we just had like the first few buds and boom, there they were. And I knew they were the neighbor's bees because we, we did not have ours at that time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can tell they're little Italians and yeah. I'm like, look, those are our neighbor's bees. They found us already. Here we are. We did it. I know. I know. It's really fun. So, I mean, that has to be one of the, just the major perks. Just if you take something away from that, just details, mm-hmm. train, training your eyes to see those details of things. So most of us want to create a garden that has a certain feel when we walk into it, right? Like that's part of that romance that we've talked about. Um, I know that entrances are very important to you. I always think about, did you ever see the movie Practical Magic? Oh, just once like, okay. With Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullman. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, it was kind of a big thing cause it was shot in Washington at this town we used to vacation in. And so it was like a big deal here, but she okay. always talks about planting rosemary by your garden gate for luck. And I remember taking from that, even at the time, not being a gardener, like, okay, you have to have a garden gate. There has to be like an entrance point into the garden and there needs to be rosemary. <laughs> like you need herbs in your garden. You know, um, anyway, so let's talk about the entrances to our gardens and sort of how those have evolved and how we've made them have that special romantic feel. Today's show is sponsored by the Old World Design Society. Do you love to style your home? Then I'd love to personally invite you to join my Old World Design Society at oldworld.parisianfarmgirl.com. If you're someone who incorporates a European old world aesthetic into your space, then you've found your people. You'll receive the magazine that coordinates with the seasonal session, print or digital, and it's always ad-free, just full of gorgeous photographs, homes, recipes, DIY projects, and more. And what makes us a society is you'll have access to our private group where we all hang out and share our latest treasures from antiques to garage sale finds. This spring session, we are studying British designer Robert Keim. We're improving our design skills, training our eye, collect the gorgeous publications, and make tons of new like-minded friends. If you love everything from French Chateau to Scottish Crofters Cottages, the Old World Design Society is just for you. Visit oldworld.parisianfarmgirl.com. That's oldworld.p-a-r-i-s-i-e-n-n-e-farmgirl.com. We have uh, we have a couple entrances to the garden and the f- one of them that takes you down into the potager is actually very, very special. Well, Two of them are special, but the one going down into the potager, uh, when we bought the house, it was just forest and some mangy grass. And we were out one morning before church, just standing out there. This was in March. So just four years ago and just standing out there dreaming and with a cup of coffee just before we all got in the truck to go to church. And I was just kind of taking my foot and swooshing back and forth in five years of leaves because the house had sat empty for five years and my foot hit stone and I scrunched down and just started scrambling and like pushing all the leaves aside. And I found three stone steps. If you've been following me for any amount of time, you know how I feel about stone steps. I had them in my original potager. Well, needless to say, I freaked. And the minute I got home from church, I raked and revealed just about two and a half feet wide and three or four feet down steps. And that's Mm -hmm. what sort of helped me create the shape of my garden was this entrance. So I put a stone wall against those stone steps and then made a more formal entrance to the garden with the arbor that we got married under. And the fun story about that is we rented it from a shop um, where my mom used to work and couldn't afford it. And gave it back when we were done. And then years later, saw it outside and all rusty and nasty and went back and purchased it. 
So mm. the place we got married um, was built by a student of Frank Lloyd Wright's. And it was very, very charming and beautiful. And sadly, it is now a subdivision. So mm. to have that arbor is very special. Mm-hmm. And we have some a salvaged garden gate. And so that's the that what you see on Instagram, that black arbor, that's the more formal <laughs> entrance to the garden. Mm. And um, it's really special to me. I have two, two or three David Austin roses on either side. And hopefully one day it will just be covered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I am married to somebody who is half Hobbit and he insists when we're creating the garden that he gives me full reign almost exclusively of the garden, mm-hmm. but he always says how much he enjoys creating different pockets, different mm-hmm. spaces. And the way that you do that is with entrances. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, think about like a big, tall, 10 foot box hedge that has a hole cut out of it. And you have to go through the hedge, right. To get, there's something that trans it's transporting you and taking you to a different space. And this can be done. So it does not have to be a gigantic hedge, but there is something about an arbor or even a, just, I have just a little wire gate, a little vintage old garden gate that I got at a junk shop. And, but there's something about walking through that says, Hey, now you're in a different space and now you're in a different one. And now you're in a different one. And I try to create little pockets like that, which is why all of our gardens have names. And this just Mm -hmm. adds to the romance of it. You could just say the garden. I'm like, no, it's in the greenhouse gardens, my lady. Yeah. It's in the potager. It's in the chicken garden. It's in the hop garden. It's in the herb garden Um, because you are kind of creating these different spaces. So I think just because of our specific gardening taste, which I think is fairly similar, there's something about an arbor of roses that just says, here we are. Like, here you are. Are you in the Cotswolds or are you in Malaga? I don't know. I don't know. I'm so confused because it looks so great. (laughs) My there's one more entrance by our garage and it's so weird that it's, it's the garage part of the house. It's my favorite part of the property. And I have two big cypress trees and then another path that takes you into the garden and it's cozy and you have to come around the corner to get to our front Mm -hmm. door. And I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. Fern, pea gravel, Joel keeps wanting to like trim up the cypress trees. They touch the top of the truck, you know, in the winter, they get really weighted down. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going for like canopy entrance. Yeah. Welcome. Ooh. Ooh. What's behind there? Challenge. We should do an episode on gardening challenges. But one of my challenges is that we, it was for us. So we had to clear it Mm -hmm. and now we're trying to make it cozy again. So um, while it does go somewhere, it doesn't really go anywhere. So now Mm -hmm. I'm putting in lilacs, putting in more cypress, like trying to make it intimate, but still allow the sun to come through. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I want to talk about that evolution a bit as a gardener from one of my very favorite gardening books. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one I know we've talked about before here on the podcast. It's called Time and the Gardener, Writings on a Lifelong Passion. And it's by Elizabeth Sheldon. You guys can see the cover if you're Mm -hmm. watching the video. Um, so this is kind of one of the opening chapters, time in the garden, and it's a little bit of an excerpt. So stay with me. Okay. Um, thank goodness for lost plants and new ideas for as the garden keeps changing. So does the gardener in the first place, one enthusiasm follows another for a while. One is wild about companionless say wanting every good species and cultivar that they can get their hands on while not falling out of love with companionless exactly One's passion is replaced by a more tranquil affection. One goes completely overboard for a stillbees and then napitas and then rock plants. It may sound exhausting, but it's actually quite exhilarating. And then there are changes of enthusiasm for certain color combinations. In my case, it was for many years my chief delight to combine white, silver, pale yellow, or grays 
and pinks, lavender, and lime, all very delicate and tender. Finally, a primitive craving for strong, violent color broke loose, causing me to create a garden of hot colors, the greatest thrill of all. Then, having used purple foliage to make quiet spots in the hot garden, I began playing about with purple foliage in the border. In some areas, it is now giving depth and importance to pinks, grays and blues, while in others, it is providing a kind of cello accompaniment to the flute notes of chartreuse and pale lemon yellow. I'm almost done. This constant changing of enthusiasm has the virtue of jogging one loose from one's favorite plant prejudices. Just as in making the hot color garden, I was forced into appreciating many genera that I had always scorned, such as zinnias, marigolds, dahlias, even petunias. So when carried away, combining wine and sulfur in the border, I took to my heart plants with yellow leaves, which I have always viewed with strong disapproval. I suppose this is all to the good. Alarming, though, for one, what if one should be left with nothing to hate? <laughs> Look at your daughter's hair. Oh, <laughs> good morning, Juliet. My sweetie. Her lady. She's so cute. Okay, I y'all remember. go out. Go out with daddy. Go, go, go. Go, 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 go. Hi, go out and shut the door. Love you. I remember the first time I read that book. And I had been gardening for years and hadn't really put words to what was in my heart and how I felt in the garden and the adjectives. Mm -hmm. And I read that book and I felt, I'm like, did someone, this is amazing. This, I I loved it. It just, it's a, it's a, it's a language of its own. Yeah. And I felt that way reading the Beatrix Potter gardening book too. Where I just thought, here is a woman who feels mm-hmm. the same way I do in her space. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Yeah. That that's a very good book. It is so excellent. And, and it was so true about feeling violently against a certain flower or a certain color combination and then just changing. It just changes. You just yeah. go like boom. Yeah. And I think that that's important. We've talked about this in so many ways and it's no different in the garden. Mm -hmm. The way that you are now is not the way that you will stay. Right. You will change. You will shift. And that's a good and beautiful thing. And so just yesterday I was out with Georgia and she has, for whatever reason, got to be in her bonnet this year for the first time ever that she is going to have a garden, which, you know, that that makes my heart sing, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. how long is this going to last for also? So she started zinnias from seed. Um, I let her pick whatever colors that she wanted. She planted them. She's been caring for them. And yesterday was finally the day for her to put her zinnias out. So she did it. I let her plant them the way that she wanted. She like filled in all their little pockets of spaces with different varieties of sunflowers. And then she planted gasp marigolds, which like marigolds have no place in my garden. I have such (laughs) strong feelings about marigolds. And I do too. I do too. I do too. I had to just let it, let it go. Just release, release it and let it pass because I've also had strong feelings towards lots of other flowers that I used to be like, why would anyone plant foxglove? Like they're going to kill you. You were trying to poison your children because it was just like, all I'd heard was like, oh, this is, you know, you buy it and there's the little tag, like this is poisonous. And and now I'm like, give me all the foxglove. They hate it here. It's dry and hot. They're like, this is the worst climate for a foxglove. Still try, still keep trying. Every year I try. But um, but the, even letting Georgia do that, it was like, what is a garden if not to get people excited about gardening? And if you start trying to enforce some sort of dogmatic rules that actually don't exist in the gardening world, like, who are you? Who are you to make these gardening rules? So it was a good um, touch, you know, just a little bit of a control freak. So (laughs) Mm. not you. No, uh, Julia is gardening this year. Both both girls had gardens on the opposite side of the house last year, but they were sort of out of sight, out of mind, and they weren't really ready um, for that. But Juliet came to me a few weeks ago. She's ready. I said, "Okay, like this is you. She put down the cardboard, she put down the compost, she put down the soil. 
she foraged for all the rocks, did it, but I had her do it like over by the swings and the sandbox where they play. So if she does anything that drives me crazy, oh yeah, it's a hundred yards away. But I'll tell you what, um, as far as if she's going to keep up with it, I am insisting that she spend her own money on it. Mm-hmm. So she's got some stake in the game and she's helping herself to dividing my perennials and things that have come up from seed and the paths and everything. Mm-hmm. But I, we did go to the nursery and she picked out a few things and I was proud of her. Like she, like she checked the tag. How big is this going to get? Mm-hmm. How fast is it going to grow? I'm like, all right, you got some skin in the game. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. Georgia said to me yesterday, she said, you know, and I was this way as a kid. I was very emotionally led when I was a kid. Like I'm feeling this or I'm not feeling this. Oh, so you've, she, you've changed so much. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. I had the music going yesterday. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Like we were both just feeling our oats out there, just having fun. And so she said to me, mom, I just love gardening so much. And I was like, oh, you do like this. is I did not know this. Okay. And she's just like, could you even imagine that one day, all this, all these gardens, like they could be mine. And I was, I was just like, wow, girl, you are feeling it. Amazing. Yes. I would love that. I would love for you to carry on what has been created here. But, um, you know, even if our families don't always feel it, mm-hmm. They feel it. You create beauty anywhere with any people feel it. And yeah, I'm um, sort of like harassed because, you know, there's work involved, but yeah, on their part. Um, yeah. But the other day I had the frogs were just singing. The breeze was blowing. The sky was blue. And I had, a, I actually brought music out. I had a speaker stuck yeah. on the, on the arbor and I had like just Django Reinhardt on Pandora. Yeah. And it was super dreamy. It was very like nostalgic feeling. You know how I feel about the movie, a good year. Mm-hmm. And I love that scene, the flashback scene when he's in his garden. Yeah. I love that song. It's so quirky and cool, but it was that kind of a vibe. And the kids just happened to come out one by one while this particular song was playing. Yeah. And you could see the look on, they're like, Oh, this is like, feel it. I, there is a palpable feeling yeah. right now. You could, you could see it on their little faces and isn't it amazing how it's extremely romantic and to, for a child to be able to tap into that, even just that sensuous connection to plants and to being outdoors Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so much of like life today is like this detachment, you know, you're detached with your phone. We have like all these like isolation moments. And while you can be solitary in the garden to just experience that with other people yeah, and to be with multiple forms of nature and everything, it was like, mm-hmm. as a mother, I just stood back at, and I could feel it. And I just watched, it was just about a minute and a half of this particular moment. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I think that will be one of their like springtime memories for this, this season. Was, mm-hmm. As Juliet would say, it was epic. It was epic. <laughs> it is amazing. One of the, one of the things that the garden has the ability to do, I think because it does hit all your senses, it's sight, it's sound, it's touch, you know, it's smell, it's mm-hmm. all the things all of them, they hit it all. And to be out there, I love to walk bare feet in my pea gravel. Like you're just, you really are tapping into this amplified, like the saturation of life is just up. Mm-hmm. It's clicked up. And like you said, to contrast that with the cold starkness of a computer screen or a cubicle or technology, it's, it's worlds apart. And what always surprises me, and I'm, I think you've experienced this too with your gardens, is you create them. I create my gardens for myself. If there was never an Instagram post or a YouTube video, I, they would look the exact same. Mm-hmm. It's, this is what I love to do. It calms my mind. It soothes my heart. It creates a space for us. But people come. It's that old, like you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. people want to come to my house. They want to come and see the gardens. And a lot of times I say, no, so selfishly, um, you know, we've, mm-hmm. we've had lots of people ask like, Oh, can we bring our, this group or that group? And usually I just say, no, 
it's, it's not for that. It's also not at a place where I feel like it's ready for that. But, um, but there are a lot of people too, that we say yes to it's like, because they need to know what it's like to go through a garden like that, mm-hmm. to, to feel all those feelings and see all those things. You want to share that with people. Um, and I think that's one of the beautiful, the beautiful, like sort of, uh, side effects of gardening is that it naturally just creates community. Mm-hmm. You can't, and like local community, like all of a sudden you're maybe buying tomato plants from the guy who sells them every year on the side of the road, or you're going, going to the master gardeners, you know, plant cell where a bunch of these horticulturists have divided their perennials and are sharing them with the community or you can't help but create community when you have a garden. No, you can't. Uh, it is, it's just sort of this, um, everybody's very giving. I had somebody locally a couple of years ago say she actually had seen the YouTube channel. And she's like, I, I heard that you like climbing hydrangea. I have this beast. You can have some cuttings, mm. come over, take some, you know, like you said, I've, well, I've told the story about stopping gardeners on the side of the road. Like, yeah. Excuse me. Kindred yeah. spirit. Yeah. yeah. I used to have a horticulturist friend and he would take pruners with him wherever he went, never was without pruners. And he would be walking by people's yards or like public trees. And he would just take little snippets because he was amazing at propagation. Hmm. And so he would just take a little section and he was very patient and he would create all kinds of things for his garden just with these tiny little, and you remember them. You think, oh, this is the climbing hydrangea that I got here. Or oh, yeah. my friend Marseille gave me a David Austin rose last year as a gift because it was one that was really near and dear to her heart. It's this beautiful apricot colored one. And so I have it planted over an arch and I, I will never not see that rose and think of her. Mm-hmm. It's a thousand memories. You know, um, Stu usually gets me hosta, some sort of hosta for birthday or anniversary. So I have a little hosta collection that I just sort of keep adding to, you know, and, oh, remember when we got this one here and that one here. And um, some don't have great memories. Some have really great memories. Mm. So we have a a local landmark that being torn down this week. It's very sad. Tragic. Uh, Yeah. Joel and I went this weekend and shall we say I pillaged the gardens (laughs) because nobody saw any value. The lady that was running the demolition, she's like, I don't care. Take what you want. And so I did. And it's sweet because it's the, it's from the garden. That was the the welcome entrance. And this place uh, was Aiden's first job last year. And so I took everything that I could. (laughs) hydrangea primrose bleeding hearts um so it's very sad but then i'll have that to remember dropping mm-hmm. him off for work every morning and mm-hmm. i'm super nostalgic that way the snow in summer in my garden is that i have now is actually the snow in summer from my original garden so i had given some to my mom oh my word yeah and when we bought this house and that you know we lost that house was in the recession and we lost that house and the garden is no longer it is just a dog run everything that you see on pinterest or whatever is gone it's just sad um but my mom said you know i still have some you should take some some chunks out this spring so i did that a few years ago and now it's just billowing it's just getting ready to bloom just cascading everywhere and i love knowing that it's from my garden like 17 years ago, mm-hmm. 18 years ago. It's just gives me all the warm, warm fuzzies. Mm-hmm. Your pictures of your first garden were some of the first that I'd seen of, like I had in my mind, this idea of this sort of European garden. Like we've talked about when I traveled and I just took all these pictures, mm-hmm. like France, Italy, Spain, it was just pictures of food and gardens. <laughs> and I didn't know what you would call that style. Like I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out when I came back. And so I was looking on Pinterest one day and found your garden. And I was like, there it is. That's, that's it. Like finally something to emulate because like I've shared with y'all, my camera ended up getting stolen. And so I didn't have the pictures of all these gardens that I'd visited 
to remember. And so I remember distinctly, that was the very first time I'd ever seen snow in summer. Okay. And I was like, what is this? Yeah. What is this? I just, my friend, Natalie, super proud of you, Natalie. She just bought her first little like new peony and, and her first David Austin. And she's making a teeny little corner garden along the sidewalk at their house in town. And she said, what, like, what sort of ground cover do I plant? And I said, snow and summer. This is the ground cover that you need. If y'all aren't familiar with it, beautiful silver gray foliage that spreads. It's poofy and beautiful. And then it sends up these gorgeous white flowers and it's like a blanket of snow. Mm -hmm. I don't have white flowers in my garden, but I have snow in summer because it's so beautiful. So she goes to the nursery and she buys what she thinks she's in line to check out. And she's like, what did she say? Cause she got snow on the mountain. This was, I don't know what snow on the mountain is. I don't either. And so she's like, we got home and it was like, that's not what it is. <laughs> Whoopsie. Whoopsie. <laughs> Probably not the same thing, hmm. but, um, it's one of the things I actually really love about gardening is the contagion of it. Mm-hmm. It it's like, it's like laughter. Just like you can't, you can't not, you can't not, you can't not be affected by it. Right. You know, and we should talk about Monty's book, the sensuous gardener, because you guys, <laughs> because this book is, this is book is as sexy as it gets. First of all, like it's when he referred to himself as Monty. I know Don it's just all I can hand this handle the sensuous garden. And he says, um, he talks about, you know, he's covering all the senses and he talks about the, he says the, the rich enjoyment of the senses, the garden mm. is the rich enjoyment of the senses rather than just the mechanical observation of horticultural techniques. And he goes through touch and sight mm. and sound taste and scent and then intuition. And it is an excellent book. If you want another one, that's not just going to give you like do this and plant them six inches deep and, you know, know your gardening zone. This book is, it's incredible. The, a lot of very close up photography. So he takes like, for example, with touch, he takes a really good look at bark, mm. all the different textures of bark and different textures of leaves and um, scent. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just, this is an incredible experience. I would definitely put this um, on your list. And uh, one of the things I love, and I've said this before so much about him, is just his graciousness and his sincerity and his encouraging spirit. You know, I watch Gardener's World every every Sunday. Mm -hmm. I watched it again last night. But he says... Um, when he talks about intuition, he says that gardens are a statement about ourselves. And if your garden makes you, the gardener, feel good, then it is certain that it will look good. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite things about Gardener's World is you realize, holy cow, like there are so many different types of gardens mm -hmm. and not all of them are super high maintenance pruning the English roses. Right. I mean, they, and they do a really good job on that show of showing all the different types of gardens. They do. And um, it's really opened my eyes to um, how many different styles of beauty there are. Cause you kind of get it in your head. Yeah. Like, this is what I like. This is all that I like. And, and then they'll feature like someone's tropical garden I'm just arrested. Like mm -hmm. I've never considered tropical plants. I don't know anything about them, mm -hmm. but well done. Yeah. You know, and the creativity yeah. used in small spaces and then the expansive gardens. So when they'll, and, and then they call it a garden. It's not maybe necessarily something that we here in the States would call a garden. It would be more like a park. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, an episode from last year that Amelie and I are absolutely crazy about because yeah. it's, it takes place in the fall and it's showing all the colors that have been um, it added to this park. Well, if you will, with intention. So you have, um, you know, the conifers in just like bright yellow and then the red of the dogwood and the purple. I mean, it's so colorful and there's not a bloom anywhere. 
Mm-hmm. Grass is blowing in the wind. I mm-hmm. mean, except I did watch last night's episode and bless her heart. This gal in California called it a potager and I wanted to die. <laughs> Why don't you explain what potager is for the people who don't know? If she gets to be on Gardener's World and call it a potager, then so do I. <laughs> my, my kids are like, Monty, are you listening? Video, Mon- Monty. Yeah, Come on. Be on the show. Come on the show. <laughs> Send in clips. Will you put us on the show? <laughs> um, a potager is, it's, you know, in, here in America, we have the vegetable garden and our tradition is that our grandmothers and great grandmothers and aunt so forth uh, were harvesting large amounts of vegetables to store for the winter. And the potager is a little bit more of a um, go out and enjoy the seasonal fruits and eat them fresh and do it artistically. So quite often they are planted with flowers and they're planted with design and it's, it's kind of utilitarian meets beauty. And that's mm-hmm. not to say that you can't have a large scale potager where like mine, where you are producing enough to store and eat fresh. Um, but it's not so much row gardening. It's not mm-hmm. a Mr. McGregor look, it's got more design and pattern and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my mind, I think of it like our kitchen garden. When which is what it is. That's a you take it's like yeah. garden. Yeah. You take your basket out and you just gather a little bit of this and your currants are planted next to your roses and you've got mm-hmm. chives tucked in amongst, you know, your echinacea, and you just right. grab a little of this and grab a little of that. And I can't ever get fully you put me to shame. Like every time I plant a row of something, Stu's like, could you have planted that any more crooked? I'm like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm really good at this. <laughs> I just can't be bothered with like the string and the straight planting. And I know that like, that's your thing. I kind of get off on that. Yeah. I know. I know. I just have more of a, you know, like patterns. Like I'm always like, yeah. Making checkerboards with my purple lettuce and my butter lettuce. And yeah. Yeah. It's a problem. Maybe I'll grow up someday. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> The worst is though, like when I like make a mistake and I get it all done and I've got like one wrong color in the center. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> I pull everything out and redo it. Yeah. Well, I want to leave you guys uh, with a little bit of encouragement lately because this is how I've been talking to myself lately. Um, there's that great say- saying that's like, we spend too much time listening to ourselves and not enough time talking to ourselves. Hmm. Um, have you heard this? So, but okay. Probably serve me well. Okay. So like over myself. Exactly. You're, you go out and you're doing stuff and then you hear yourself being like, oh my gosh, you're so behind. You have this area to clean up this area to clean up and you let the tray of beets die and you lose her. Like there's crap over here and weeds here. And man, would it be that hard for you to order gravel and take care of this? And you know, you can, you, this running commentary in your head, um, And so I'm always reminded to talk to myself and you tell myself the what for and say, no, like I've worked too hard on these gardens to not enjoy them. Mm -hmm. So no, I'm not going to look at that weed. I'm not going to look at this area that still needs to be done. I've worked too hard. So it's not going to be perfect. Things are going to die. Mm -hmm. You're going to lose stuff. I, I lost I have four lavender, same variety, same soil, exact same. One just died. No, I like, I don't know. Why, why would you die? Why would you just go up and die like that? I don't know. But I worked too hard to enjoy this, to get so upset about it. And so embracing this imperfection, and I'm not just saying that in some sort of like positive vibe kind of a way. I, I mean it. Talk to like, yourself. Because even if you're just doing a little herb garden, you know, out on your balcony, it can be beautiful. You're still going to have failings, but it can be beautiful. And isn't it great that we can just go to a nursery and buy something if we lose, if we lose a plant, like that's a, a big blessing. So talk to yourself in the garden, you know, remind yourself of that work that you've put in of what you're trying to cultivate. And even if it's not perfect or exactly what you want it to be, you know, you still will get the bumblebees. So that's still a good day. I love that. That's great. And even make your own observations to yourself. Yep. 
like maybe even not, not even so much a pep talk, yep. just use all the romantic words and, and just cast that spell over yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been lovely. We've never done an episode like this before. How fun. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for joining us today and go take a walk in your own garden. And if you don't have a garden and you are considering one, of course, there is still time. There's always time. And if you're not a gardener, then we hoped we helped you decompress just a little <laughs> bit on this Monday. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash homemaker chic podcast if you are not a patron yet. And even if you are, because they're going to have a special treat with everything that we talked about today and uh, spend some time with us over on YouTube. If you want to binge a little more, Shay and I have a lot of gardening uh, content on each of our YouTube channels. In fact, do you have a garden playlist on YouTube? Okay. I'll I think so. I think it's a, post. it's like homestead life playlist. I think. Okay. I have a gardening playlist. Mm-hmm. So we'll post post of both of those on the uh, Patreon page. So you don't have to hunt those down too. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually going to go out and garden today because I'm looking at the 10 day and 10 day forecast. And it looks like we're in the clear. Looks like we've, our last frost has come and gone. Wonderful. So we would just dry out. Well, now, now it's covered in fog. Wonderful. Wonderful. (laughs) I wish I could be there with you having a cup of coffee today and having this conversation in person. Foggy day sounds kind of nice. So, all right, ladies, well, thank you so much for joining us, regardless of whether you have a garden or not. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your Monday. Find some beauty out there. See if you can spot some bumblebees. And we will be back with you guys here on Thursday. And we have a special guest. So make sure you tune in for that. Okay. Until then. Cheers. Cheers.